Welcome back to the Indo Techno Podcast, Season 3, Episode 22. I'm Alan Hallowell, venture partner at leading early stage Indonesian VC AC Ventures and founder of startup consultancy Gizmo Advisors. Today, we get to circle back to one of my favorite topics, namely how Indonesia's leading entrepreneurs are trying to solve the many problems of the country's 62 million SMEs or small and medium sized enterprises. It is really inspiring to see many great minds focus on ways to preserve what is really the bedrock to the local Indonesian economy. An Suhada is the co-founder and tech lead for Delegasi, which describes itself as the first automated accounting service for small businesses in Indonesia. Ans, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Alan. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, I have a ton of questions that I want to ask that relate to your personal career as a tech lead and a CTO. But I must first ask you to describe your newest venture, Delegasi. What exactly does the company do? Delegasi is an automated accounting service and software. We basically starting with restaurant cafes, but we are targeting for small end business in Indonesia. Understood. So you co-founded Delegasi with Aki Pratama. I see from your Y Combinator profiles, and by the way, massive congrats on having joined YC's 2022 cohort. I see that you guys have known each other for 12 years. Tell us about how you dreamt up Delegasi. Yeah, thanks Alan for acknowledging us. Me and my co-founder Oki was studying in ITB, uh, Bandung Institute of Technologies, and we are classmates before. So we took a different path. Oki joined Rafaloka as a product manager and did some masters in MIT Sloan and coming back to Indonesia as a SVP business for Modal Rakyat, Fast Financial Group lending arm. But myself, I'm still in engineering career path. So before joining Ifeseri, I'm joining another small startup. So when Oki come back in Indonesia, she asked me, what will we do next? Because in college, we did a lot of social projects and another project. So we'd like to reminisce our life back then doing another project. Interesting. So that relationship runs deep. Now, I don't want to come across as a critic or non-believer but I can safely say that Delegasi is not exactly the first Indonesian startup to try to address the many challenges that small business owners face. What are we doing differently? And what have our predecessors and peers missed or gotten wrong that we're addressing properly? Delegasi target segment is in between others products. In SMSME, micro, small, medium enterprise, there's a micro part and others products tend to going to the smaller segment, but the legacy try to fit in the middle one. So the higher part of micro and the early segment for small business. In Indonesia, they already have a lot of products that serve kiosks and other micro business, but this solution is too simple for the middle segment. If they choose to use other products, it's too complicated for them. So Delegacy try to fit in for the middle segment. Understood. Now, Delegacy, the first automated accounting service for small businesses in Indonesia. I, however, note that neither you nor Oki has a background in accounting, which is clearly a core part of our value proposition 
Is this not a challenge? Actually, Oki did accounting for small business. He helped the family business run. And besides that, he also helped another small business in terms of finance. So actually, Oki has an understanding of accounting. And in our early product, he also did the accounting by himself. But for me, actually, what was intriguing for me at Ifesiri, I helped them in enterprise solution, enterprise product. So I saw the finance part, the finance process, accounting process, and I'm exposed to that accounting process. And when Oki asks about this kind of problem, it rings the bell for me regarding all of the repetitive problem, all the automation, etc. In that sense, I think we have confidence into empathy, the process, and also the core skill that we need to build the product. Thanks for that. I definitely want to get back to your roughly six and a half years at eFishery, which has become an iconic company in its category. But getting back to basics, the main goal of the Indotechno podcast is to bring Indonesia's technology ecosystem into the global spotlight. Ideally, every aspect of it, its entrepreneurs, the ideas that underpin its leading startups, all the way to the schools that feed its ranks with freshly minted graduates. You mentioned your time with Oki in school. With regards to those Indonesian universities that are front and center in the rise of Indonesia's technology ecosystem, I'm endlessly fascinated with ITB or Institute of Technology at Bandung. And few would argue with a comparison of ITB with Stanford or MIT in the US. Tell us about your time at ITB and relate it to your decision to enter the startup space. 10 years ago, college students were not familiar with startups. People are moving to oil and gas company or create their own software studio. So when I in college with OK, we did a lot of projects. I mentioned the social projects and organizational and also student projects. We saw that in terms of technology, there's a rising in product development in, uh, itself. And I think I'm like a misfit for other industry. For startup, it will cater for students that want to create products. So I think in 2010 to 2014, that's the rising of product development. And when it is rising, like 2016 to until 2018, many college students already familiar with startup and product development. So in ITB itself, product development is taught pretty differently after 2018. I really need to do, if not... An episode on ITB, maybe even a series. I think it's been so important in the formation of Indonesia's entrepreneurial ethic and characteristics. Now, Ans, looking at your LinkedIn profile, you really seem to enjoy doing the tough stuff, focusing on very traditional industry segments that historically have applied little or no technology to their business routines. I can imagine it might be difficult to for instance, encourage a Warong owner or the owner of a traditional fishery to abandon generations of habits in order to embrace new technology. Why do you do this? It's pretty emotional for me. Like It's 2016, a lot of e-commerce and marketplace rising up. Gibran at the fishery asked me to join his startup. Actually, Gibran is my senior in college. So when he asked me, I think this kind of industry is still fairly touched by technology. E-commerce industry already been done. That's opportunity for me to flip the industry. That's the main reason for me to join the fishery and help the aquaculture industry. Fast forward to right now, I saw the pattern four years ago, this MSME growing digitalization, but there are still a lot of a segment that need help. 
need to digitalize or need to develop. That's the main reason for me to start the legacy because this segment still have a room for improvement for digitalization. Now, Anz, a follow-up to this question. From your role as head of platform and data at eFishery to your current role as co-founder and tech lead at Delegacy, you are clearly at the forefront of creating technology for these small business owners. Can you share with us maybe one or two examples of how technology and data have most radically improved the businesses of each of these two types of business owner? In big companies or medium enterprises, they already use a lot of technologies, but in micro and small, they're still in first time of digitalization. So in this case, I think the most impactful technology is data analysis and maybe an automation. Why? Because in digitalization itself, we already saw a lot of ecosystem filling up and how we move to the next level is to orchestrate between those ecosystem or integrate between those ecosystem. So in that sense, the automation itself is how to integrate all of the ecosystem while not conflicting in experience, and then try to fetch all of the data from its ecosystem to create a better data analysis or a better view or better understanding of the data from different ecosystems. So I think those two main technologies that could help business are automation and data analysis aggregation. I can imagine integration of those ecosystems must be key. And I assume it is super tricky. Now, you mentioned that many business owners with whom you spoke stopped using new software solutions in the first one to two months, even after paying a one-year subscription fee, complaining that these solutions are still too complicated for users without accounting knowledge. How can we solve this? I think we could agree that people still use Spreadsheet as their main tools. And I mentioned that there's certain segments that need more advanced solution, but not too advanced. So I think we need to create solution to simplify the experience regarding the data acquisition and to give a more advanced product in analytics or not analytics. We need to create visualization to better understand the data and how to produce the insights. So when they use software solution, you stop because it's too complicated for them. And they go back to Spreadsheet again because Spreadsheet is more flexible. Understood. So I was looking at some of your literature and I really admire the simplicity. So your biggest vertical right now is food and beverage. And you say, if you're a restaurant owner, you can simply one, connect your POS or point of sales and food delivery service data to upload your receipts, bank statements, and stock. And as a result, three, your financial statements and analysis are ready. And so the positioning here is that there's no manual input nor accounting knowledge needed to generate the financial report. So if indeed you can realize that, I think it would be quite a massive improvement. Now, I wanted to ask you a more personal question. Are you pleased with what is really a transition from nearly six and a half years as an employee at eFishery to becoming an actual founder? And what surprised you in this transition? Moving from employee to founder, it's really interesting because I can feel what Gibran or Krishna <laughs> been doing before. 
And what, what surprised me is, even though I already seen a lot of things, but it still is like a new challenge for me. I know how to create organization from small to big scale, but still it needs to be done manually. I still have to learn a lot of things, legal things, a lot of non-technical things. That surprised me a lot. <laughs> Understood. So I guess my question to you is one, would you do it again? And two, would you recommend it to other people? Is it a no-brainer or do you recommend really thinking deeply about it? For people who have seen companies grow from small to big scale to fund their own startup, it's a natural progression because they already seen things and they want to experience themselves from zero to big scale again. I think it's a natural progression. The second, as a founder, just ask deeply yourself what motivates you. What motivates you to run day by day? Because being a founder, it's motivated entirely from deep inside, not from outside. So that's the hard things to consider if you're going to be a founder. Understood. So two elements here, key words in my mind. You talk about natural progression. So it should feel natural and it should be part of your evolution as opposed to feeling like you have to become a founder. And then it should involve, I guess we would say a lot of soul searching because the commitments are massive and the payback may not be immediate. Now, I wanted to ask you, Anz, about your biggest learnings from that six and a half years you spent at eFishery. My biggest learning is nothing comes instantly. Maybe you have a lot of detour, a lot of going back and forth. And if you want a bigger outcome, you need maybe a big sacrifice. I mean, when I joined Eficiary as a small company or at their seed stage, we are still unknown. But in three years, four years, I think people already see what Eficiary do. And it's not an instant journey. You need to have patience and also growth mindset, always learning, always relearning. You cannot just follow books, articles, or someone's trail. You need to create your own trail. So my biggest learning is patience and create your own trails because no others can show you. Understood. The proverbial textbook only gets you so far and it's your own instincts and that trailblazing that you talk about that really moves you ahead. Can you tell us about some of the more challenging points of your career, maybe a solution that failed and its product market fit or that didn't scale as anticipated? At some point in Fusiri, when they first released their commercial product, we targeted a certain segment. But maybe just like two months after, we noticed that these kind of segments have different variants, etc. So we also create other products based on our first products. So in that sense, this is a challenging point for me because we need to create other products in just a month, but still thinking about the cost and operation. So that's one stories that helped me now as a founder to create more targeting segmentation and also create products that serve more specific from the beginning. There's another story from Eficiary. A lot of people said MVP, minimum viable product, but I said minimum viable business because we create business first and then try to verify the products, but not spend too much in the product development cycle. 
create MVP that downscale is still acceptable as long as you create minimum viable business. You try to validate your business and you create your product that your product itself maybe will not work at scale, but it will help you build your business idea. Understood. So the minimally viable product may not be viable ultimately, but it will hopefully advance a viable business. And so not all is lost. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Now, Anz, a question about channel strategy, about the difficulties of reaching Indonesia's very fragmented SME market, 62 million overall, and what I believe to be easily more than 110,000 restaurants. How do we reach them without spending a lot? Yeah, um, my target segment would be one to two million. And I think Indonesian people still live as a community. So best way to find channel is through community. So in my case, there's a lot of business communities and we try to help them one by one and try to have, we would say, influencer figure in the business community. So in Indonesia, in fragmented islands and fragmented situations, communities play a central key. Understood. In other words, we're using word of mouth as our single biggest vehicle to acquire customers. Is that right? Word of mouth will be another factor because if you create good product or good services, people will talk about it and share it to others. But to introduce your product, we need to find key figure in our communities and ask them as your early users. And in that sense, users will grow and people will follow them. So Anz, what will Delagasi's business model be? In other words, how are we going to make money? I want to emphasize that Delegacy is not accounting software. Delegacy is integrating finance ecosystem, automated all the accounting ecosystem. So in our business model, we charge them in monthly basis. We do a subscription model and we have tiered price model, the price based on their revenue. So we charge them in monthly basis and they paid us upfront. Understood because I often hear that we call it a SaaS model, that a lot of SMEs are not comfortable paying a subscription, but you have found that adoption of the subscription model has been pretty straightforward. Yeah. What we learn, they also do not perceive us like a software itself, but they perceive us like a virtual assistant. So we assist them like in accounting solution and also we will share with them their business performance. So they perceive us as a virtual assistant. Okay, that's a pretty important distinction. Well, Anz, very exciting to see what you're building for Indonesian small business. I do strongly believe that efforts such as Delegasi's promise to usher mom and pops into the 21st century and keep them relevant in the digital age thus preventing them from being stranded with their outdated and inefficient ways will succeed. Thanks a bunch for joining us today. Thanks, Alain, and thanks also for emphasizing the innovation landscape in technology. You're very welcome. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Indotechno podcast with us. Terima kasih. Sampai jumpa lagi. Bye.